the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The religious leaders were concerned about defiling themselves or becoming ceremonially unclean while they're attempting to kill the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In their minds, killing Jesus is perfectly fine and acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Just as long as you don't do anything to defile you while you're doing it, in the process, so that you can still celebrate the Passover feast. I mean, that, that's pretty, pretty warped thinking, isn't it? Have you ever tried to argue with a child? You try to help them understand that what they did was wrong and why they shouldn't do it again. The child very confidently explains several reasons why, in their mind, it was fine, and they don't see why they should stop. You quickly realize that this is a losing battle, and in some cases, you may resort to pulling rank because there is just no other way. In today's message, Pastor Dan describes a similar scenario, but with a much greater impact on the people of Jerusalem. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 27 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. And then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather a tumult was rising, 
he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for enduring the scourging and the cross for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have slowed down quite a bit in our study through the Gospel of Matthew because of the importance of the section of Matthew that we're in, looking at the trials of Jesus leading up to his crucifixion. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, Jesus has endured one long night where he was arrested in Gethsemane, and then he was put through a series of trials before the religious leaders of Judaism, and he was condemned to die for blasphemy. He was guilty of being the Christ. So this is where Jesus is brought, and he's brought to Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate served as the Roman governor over Judea and Samaria from 26 A.D. to 36 A.D. And as governor, Pontius Pilate's primary job was to keep the peace in his territory and to collect taxes for Caesar. Now, history tells us that Pilate was a very ruthless, cruel ruler over Judea and Samaria. Philo, who was a Jewish philosopher that lived at the same time as Jesus, said Pontius Pilate's rule was characterized by, quote, briberies, insults, robberies, outrages, wanton injuries, executions without trial, and endless and grievous cruelty. For example, when Pilate was first appointed as governor of Judea, he brought incense or signs into Jerusalem depicting the image of Caesar on these signs, and the Jewish people were highly offended because the depiction of Caesar on these signs, they took that as idolatry. And here Pilate brought idols into the holy city of Jerusalem, and so a group of Jewish people went to Caesarea Maritima to protest these incense that were brought into the city. They go to Caesarea Maritima to the governor's headquarters to protest, and Pilate responded by slaughtering the crowd with his military. Then more Jewish people showed up to protest that, and he slaughtered those people too. And he did this several times until he realized the Jewish people are relentless and they're not going to stop protesting, and then he finally removed those images out of Jerusalem. On another occasion, uh, Pilate brazenly confiscated money from the temple in Jerusalem, the Jewish temple, to pay for a water system for the city of Jerusalem. He was providing a water system for the Jewish people, for their city, and so he just took money out of their temple to pay for it. Money that people had, you know, dedicated to God. And understandably, the Jewish people were outraged by this. Pilate knew they would be outraged. He knew they would protest. And so Pilate, in anticipation of them protesting, he had many of his soldiers disguise themselves as Jews 
and mingle in with the crowd. And when the crowd began to protest, Pilate gave his soldiers a signal. They pulled out daggers and clubs and they massacred the Jewish people in the streets of Jerusalem. This is the kind of ruler he was. If you're taking notes, you could jot down Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Luke chapter 13, verse 1, it tells us there that some people came to ask Jesus about an incident that had recently happened. We're told in this incident, Pilate murdered some people from Galilee while they were making a sacrifice in the temple. And we don't know any of this story other than what's mentioned in Luke 13, but apparently Pilate murdered people, Galileans, in the temple while they were making a sacrifice, while they were worshiping the Lord. Again, this is the kind of ruler Pilate was. Pilate ruled over Judea and Samaria with an iron fist. He had no regard for the Jewish people, no regard for their religious practices or their customs, no regard for their lives. He was a brutal governor. But when it comes to the trial of Jesus... Pilate seems to behave in a way that is out of character for him. He doesn't act like himself. He doesn't act like the brutal ruler he was known to be. He acts weak. He acts indecisive regarding Jesus, indecisive in his response to the religious leaders. In fact, John's gospel and John's account, John chapter 19, verse 8, says that Pilate was afraid. During this trial, he was afraid, and Pilate tried to release Jesus. And so Jesus greatly affected Pilate. And as we dig into this first phase of the civil trial of Jesus, it's, it's helpful to consider what the other Gospels say. You might want to turn to Luke 23 and just have that marked in your Bible. Not that we're going to turn there, but just so you could glance at it during our study. Looking at the other Gospels just gives us a more complete picture of the trial. Uh, also, John's Gospel, chapter 18. It's another place to read, maybe on your own, later today. John's Gospel tells us that when the religious leaders brought Jesus to Pilate, the religious leaders did not enter Pilate's palace. They stayed outside the wall. There was a gate on the wall there that archaeologists have found. The religious leaders stayed outside of Pilate's palace, we're told, because they did not want to defile themselves. Which really, to me, shows just how twisted the human heart can be. The religious leaders were concerned about defiling themselves or becoming ceremonially unclean while they're attempting to kill the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In their minds, killing Jesus is perfectly fine and acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that at all, just as long as you don't do anything to defile you while you're doing it in the process so that you can still celebrate the Passover feast. I mean, that, that's pretty, pretty warped thinking, isn't it? I don't know if you know this or not, but if you've been alive for five minutes or so, you know that people can have some pretty warped ways of thinking things and to justify themselves, to justify their behavior, to justify their actions. The prophet Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And you see that here with these religious leaders. Look at verse 11. It says that Jesus stood before 
the governor. The governor sat in judgment of Jesus. The governor, as we see in the passage, the governor will question Jesus, interrogate Jesus, and then give a verdict on Jesus. People may pass judgment on Jesus in this life. People may judge whether he is true or not. But the Bible tells us each person will stand before Jesus Christ one day, and Jesus will be the final judge of mankind. Every person, the Bible says, will give an account to him for their life. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him as Lord. Jesus is standing before Pilate now, but Pilate will stand before Jesus. And Jesus will have the final word, as he will with everyone. That's why you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. If you haven't, because one day you'll stand before him and give an account. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Now, Luke's Gospel tells us that the religious leaders made three charges against Jesus. This is Luke chapter 23, verse 2. If you're taking notes, Luke 23, 2. It says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So they accused Jesus of three things, perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and claiming to be Christ, a king. These are the official charges they bring against Jesus to the Roman government. They cannot accuse Jesus of blasphemy because Pontius Pilate doesn't care about blasphemy. That's a religious issue. And Pilate will say, you settle that yourselves. So they have to make up charges that will be a concern to Pilate as the Roman governor and a concern to Rome. And so they accuse Jesus of perverting the nation or plotting against the nation, plotting against the Roman government, trying to subvert the Roman Authority. They essentially are saying, this guy's a revolutionary. He's trying to incite a rebellion among the people. And remember, Pilate's number one job is to maintain peace in the territory that he governs. And so Jesus is accused of being a, a dangerous revolutionary. They also accuse Jesus of telling people to not pay taxes to Caesar. Now, is that what Jesus said? Oh, Remember, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. Jesus said the opposite. But they accused Jesus of telling people to not pay their taxes to Caesar. The third accusation is he claims to be Christ, 
a king. So he is a direct threat to Caesar. So Pilate interrogates Jesus regarding these these charges in verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. And the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? That's the accusation. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Now notice Pilate doesn't ask if he's the Christ. Are you the Christ of the Jews? He doesn't care about that. That's a religious title. He says, are you the king of the Jews? A king is a threat to Caesar's authority. Now, F.F. Bruce, a, a, a Greek scholar who's gone to be with the Lord, he points out that in the Greek, the emphasis of Pilate's question is on the word you. So Pilate's question is more like, are you the king of the Jews? You, you are the king of the Jews. Maybe Pilate asked the question with disbelief or shock. After all, Jesus is a simple carpenter from Galilee. He doesn't look like a king. He doesn't dress like a king. He's not dressed like royalty. He's not wearing royal garments or fancy clothing. Plus, remember, the religious leaders beat up Jesus, pummeled him earlier in the previous night, and so his face is bloodied and bruised and swollen. Jesus doesn't look like a king to Pilate. He doesn't look like a dangerous revolutionary. He doesn't look like he's someone who is subverting the Roman government. And so Pilate asks, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the threat? Are you what the fuss is all about? You're the reason the religious leaders showed up here at my palace so early in the morning? You? And in response, Jesus affirms that he is the king of the Jews, saying to Pilate, it is as you say. And that's it. He doesn't, he doesn't try to explain it. He doesn't do a miracle to prove it. He just, yeah, I am. Now, Luke's gospel says at this point, Pilate takes Jesus back out to the religious leaders because they won't come in. And Pilate declares, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. Pilate declares his innocence. This is a trial. They've made their accusations. Pilate interrogates him, comes back out and says he's innocent. He's no threat to Caesar. Now, in a civil trial, judicial trial, right, when the judge declares a person innocent, what happens next? Case dismissed. But that's not what happens here. Pilate's initial ruling was Jesus is innocent, but then the religious leaders made other accusations against Jesus. Look at verse 12. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Pilate was used to defendants defending themselves, right? He's used to people defending themselves against the accusations that are being made. But Jesus was silent. It says he answered not One word. He just stood there silently as all these accusations are flying against him. Not a single word 
so much so that the governor marveled greatly because Jesus just stood there silently. Now, Jesus was silent in fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 7, that says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus was silent. Listen, Jesus was silent before his accusers because Jesus was dying in our place for our sins as our substitute. And we are guilty before God. There's no defense or excuse Jesus could offer for us. And so he just stood there. Now, again, Luke's account tells us that as the chief priests and elders were shouting accusations against Jesus, that one of them mentioned that Jesus is from Galilee. Luke chapter 23, verse 6. And when Pilate heard that Jesus was from Galilee, Pilate saw a way out of this situation. He saw a way of escape for himself because Pilate was governor over Judea and Samaria, not Galilee. Herod Antipas ruled over the Galilee. And Herod Antipas happened to be in Jerusalem, staying in the other palace, right across the courtyard from Pilate. And so what does Pilate do? The other Gospels tell us he sent Jesus across the courtyard to the other building to Herod Antipas because Jesus was a Galilean. You know how it is dealing with bureaucrats and bureaucracy. You know, you go down to the county, you know, to the office of zoning. And they're like, oh, no, you don't want to be here. You need to go over to. And you go over to that other place. Oh, no, we can't help you here. What you need to do is you need to go down to. Right. And they just kind of pass the buck. And that's what Pilate does here. Oh, did you say a Galilean? That's not my jurisdiction. I'm Judea, Samaria. You need to go to the Galilean ruler. That's Herod Antipas. You're going to go across this courtyard here into that other building over there and ask for Herod Antipas. Maybe he can help you out. That becomes the second phase of his civil trial. And it's not recorded for us in Matthew, but we're told in Luke's gospel that Jesus refused to answer Herod's questions. He was silent before Herod Antipas. And so Herod Antipas sent Jesus back to Pilate, sends him back across the courtyard to the other building, back to Pontius Pilate. And once Jesus was returned to Pilate, Pilate declared to the religious leaders, again, this is in Luke chapter 23, verses 14 to 15. This is, again, this is like his official ruling in the case. Listen to what he says, Luke 23, verses 14 and 15. You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. He declares him innocent for a second time. He declares him innocent, and he says, Herod also found no fault in him. Herod also found him innocent. He's done nothing deserving of death. He poses no threat to Rome or Caesar as you accuse him. Case dismissed. He asked-
Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. There's so much to gain from spending time with God in His Word. You'd be amazed at what can be revealed to you in a personal way. Did you hear something today that struck a chord with you and you'd like to hear it again? No problem. All of the messages you hear on Ring of Truth can be found on our website. Go to calvaryec.com and search for these teachings under the Media tab. While you're there, you'll likely find and explore other series or teachings that sound interesting. Are you growing through this study in Matthew? We sure hope so. Another resource you might find useful is our podcast. You can subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast as another way to stay connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the church that supports this radio ministry, our website has all the information you need about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.